Have you ever had one of those parenting days where everything feels stressful and it's really hard to see the good kid through the challenging behavior? That was my day today. In today's episode, I'm going to walk you through where I messed up, which was a lot, and what I did to get things back on track. Let's get into it. Parenting is the hardest job ever, and parenting a highly sensitive child who's struggling can feel downright impossible. If you're suffering through endless meltdowns, walking on eggshells, and losing sleep worrying, you've landed in the right place. Because I'm here to help you feel good about parenting your highly sensitive child. I'm Dr. Hillary, clinical psychologist and mom of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where I help you make sense of your child's challenging behaviors and build resilience in the face of their big emotions. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to turn your child's sensitivity into their superpower. Welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. So this is another bonus episode where I essentially share little snippets from my own real life parenting highly sensitive kids. So kind of snippets from the parenting trenches. And yes, I'm a psychologist and I teach this stuff, but I'm also human and I don't get it right all the time. And like many of you, most of you, I would guess, I was raised during a time when parents didn't teach emotion regulation, that co-regulation wasn't a thing. Our parents carried trauma into parenting that they weren't even aware of, and they did their best, and they loved us. But we didn't learn how to regulate our emotions. We kind of just had to figure it out as we went. Most of us were punished when we had big reactions that we didn't know how to handle. And so we are teaching our kids how to regulate their emotions, and we're co-regulating with them while we're simultaneously trying to teach ourselves how to regulate our emotions. And it's really tricky. I had a client say to me last week, she was like, wow, this emotion regulation stuff is so powerful. I cannot get over how much it's helping my child to actually have some skills to handle these big emotions. And then she was like, but also, how is this not taught? How are we just figuring this out because we're parents and now we have to figure out how to regulate our emotions or else it's going to be really, really hard. And she's right. Like, why are we not taught how to regulate our emotions? So what we're doing, giving our kids what we were not given is really, really tricky. And as a highly sensitive person myself, I find that when everyone else in the house is struggling and kind of at capacity, I guess, for what they can handle emotionally, it's really tough for me to manage my own stuff and show up the way I want to, which brings me to this morning. So my husband had to go out of town for work, and so he's out of the country for the next six days. And he is very, very present in our kids' lives, like does bedtime with at least the older kiddos every single night, walks to school and picks the kids up from school and then walks home with them every day. And we eat dinner together as a family pretty much every night. And my husband's also the assistant coach on my oldest kiddo's soccer team. So he is very present and we really feel his absence when he's not here. Oh, I forgot to say, he also makes breakfast every single morning. So the kids feel his absence. They miss him a ton, but like also I feel his absence a lot. 
there was a time at the beginning of my motherhood journey where that wasn't the case, right? I was kind of the default parent. I was staying home. So I stayed home for the first four years or so of being a mom. That had never been the plan, but it's how it worked out for a number of reasons. And I'm so grateful, so, so grateful for those four years. But my husband and I definitely fell into a pattern where I was kind of the default parent because I was home, because I was breastfeeding, and it was just kind of how things were. So there was a time where I would have missed him, obviously, but it wasn't like he was as involved in the day-to-day as I was. And so I just kind of did what I did every day if he went away. But that is so not the case now. And so yeah, when he goes away on business, we just all really feel it. And so that's where we were at this morning. And there were so many moments today where I just did not see the good kid through the challenging behavior like I always tell you to do. I mean, even normally, I don't do a perfect job of this, but when my capacity to take on stressors is higher, I do a better job than I did today. That's for sure. So this morning, my oldest forgot to put his soccer cleats away and I have been really working with him on let's put things back where they go so that when we need them, we can find them. I feel like this is something all parents everywhere are trying to teach, right? So I asked him to put his soccer cleats back and he put them back, but it was like a halfway job. You know what I mean? Like he put them in the bag, but didn't zip the bag and they were kind of halfway falling out. Like if someone touched them, they might just topple out and then he wouldn't be able to find them. So I was like, buddy, come on, let's go back and do the whole job. And normally he would be like, okay, fine. Maybe he'd roll his eyes a little, whatever, but he would do it. This morning he was just like, no, I don't want to do it. You can't make me do it which should have been my cue to say, oh yeah, he's having a tough morning. He really misses daddy. This makes so much sense. But that is not what I did. That is what I wish I had done. But yeah, I got into a power struggle with him and I was just like, no, you need to do it. We're not leaving until you do it. And he's like, fine, then I'm not going to school. And I was like, well, fine. Then, and then I was like, where am I going with this? What, what, is my, what is my game plan here? Eventually he did it. But it did not feel good to either of us the way that all went down. And that was how we started our day. So dropped the boys off at school, came home, took my daughter to music class. That was really fun. And then as we were getting ready to walk and go get the boys, my daughter, who I've told you is also very much highly sensitive, and she has been in many ways, the easiest of my three kids, just because I have the most robust skill set parenting her, right? As a first-time mom, I did not know how I was going to handle the big emotions that come with raising a highly sensitive kid. And I also didn't know how much parenting was going to trigger me, right? That's something I figured out on the fly as I parented, because parenting your own kids is very different from working with other people's kids, even in intense settings like residential treatment. So I've had the easiest time parenting her simply because I now, much more so than when I was a first-time mom, I know what I'm doing. Maybe you can relate if you have multiple kids, but you do get better at it as you go. So anyway, we're walking to go get her brothers from school, and she is just falling apart over, I honestly don't even know. Obviously, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It wasn't about whatever the heck was 
happening in that moment. But we had to go. I didn't have a lot of time to really co-regulate the way I normally would. And so I was like, look, we got to get in the stroller. We got to go. This is what we're doing. So I'm pushing the stroller and she is screaming, basically having a meltdown in the stroller. She's also sick right now. She's fighting off a cold and has been like having a lot of congestion that's waking her up at night. So I know that's a big part of it, but also she's sad about daddy leaving. So she's losing it in the stroller. And then she decides because I am not able to stop the stroller, which is what she wanted me to do in that moment, that she is going to communicate how mad she is to me by threatening to unbuckle, which just triggered me right? Because that's a safety issue. And also we were going to be late if I had to stop and get her to buckle again. So I snapped and I yelled at her to sit down and stay buckled. It is not safe. It is not okay for you to do that, etc. And so now she's not only melting down, but she is crying because mommy just yelled at her. So I apologized to her and We moved on, but she was still sort of out of sorts the rest of the walk to school. And then I picked up the boys and they had both had a rough day. They generally do just fine and have pretty good days at school, but but my oldest had felt left out at recess and my six-year-old had had a moment where his teacher asked him to put his jacket back on at recess and he was hot. So that felt really uncomfortable. And they both just kind of carried that with them into the afternoon. And then this played out at dinner. They were arguing with each other. And my oldest was sort of provoking my six-year-old. And my six-year-old, when he gets really upset, just starts screaming. He doesn't do it often anymore. This was something we really dealt with a lot when he was around four. It's much, much better now. But when he is stressed, when he's overwhelmed, overloaded, he will go to just straight up screaming. And I was trying to co-regulate with him. And I looked over at my oldest who I caught smiling and that triggered me. And once again, I snapped, I yelled, I said, what are you doing? You are so mean. You are being a terrible brother. And then I looked over and my oldest child was in tears and just so upset. Just everything from the day had kind of compiled and he just couldn't do it anymore. And I still felt mad. I kind of wanted to be like, well, you deserve this because look how you made him feel. How do you think he feels when you laugh when he's upset? But that's a triggered response. And thankfully, I was able to catch myself before I made things worse. And I curled up on the couch next to him and I suggested something that we do a lot, actually. And it really, really helps. I'll do a whole episode on this as a strategy. But I apologized to him for yelling. And then I was like, look, let's play the perspective game. So this is a game where essentially everyone has to listen while each person gets to share their perspective. No interruptions, nobody saying, that's not how it was for me. It is their perspective and therefore it cannot be wrong. And when we do this, we practice using I feel language versus you are or you did. So my daughter was in the bath and both boys and I just sat on her bedroom floor and played this game. And I could tell that both of the boys' nervous systems were regulating. And mine too, honestly. And my six-year-old was playing with magnetiles, which I could tell was regulating for him. And my nine-year-old and I were tossing a ball back and forth, and that was regulating for us. 
and we each just went around the room and shared our perspective. And that helped a lot. I think we were all in a much better space after doing that. And then I wanted to take it a step further. And so I said to them, I was like, look, today was a hard day. Everybody's having a lot of feelings about daddy being gone. Everybody is struggling to stay regulated. And that makes so much sense. I used the analogy of the emotional water pitcher, which is something I've talked about here on this podcast before. But I told the kids, I was like, look, we all have water pitchers that are a little bit fuller this week. And that means that we are going to be a little quicker to anger, a little bit quicker to lose our cool. And then we practiced asking for help. And we practiced how we're going to do that. So each of my kids had a different way that they were going to ask for help. And we practiced sharing something that others could do to help when we are at a point where we feel like we can't take on anymore. And with that kind of reconnection at the end of the night and helping them make sense of what was happening between us relationally and within them individually, we were able to have a pretty calm bedtime. And I said to them, tomorrow's a new day. We're going to try again. And, you know, I think that's the most important message is that even after the hardest day, we all keep showing up. We all get to make mistakes. We are all human. Everybody in this family is going to mess up and we're going to have to repair and we're going to have to try again. We're going to have to help each other. We're going to have to ask for help and we're going to have to not give up on each other. Because here's the thing, everything is figure outable. We are good problem solvers and we can figure this out together. So that was my day. That's how I handled it. Not always very well, but in the end, I tried to at least regroup and give the kids something that we could work with this week. I hope it's helpful to hear how this played out in my real life, literally today. And hopefully there's something in that story that you can use next time you feel like you are having a really rough day with your child. So that wraps up this little bonus episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. Want to continue the conversation and connect with other parents who get it? Join our free Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash raised resilient. I can't wait to see you in there. And if you loved today's episode, I'd be so honored if you'd share it with a friend who needs it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we've got this.